You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to First Bite, our Pride of Detroit midweek podcast. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the, I need to get used to this, editor-in-chief of Pride of Detroit. Um, you can find me at Detroit Online on Twitter. With me, as always, is Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore P-O-D. Ryan, how are we doing today? How is it only Wednesday? <laughs> the life of a school teacher right there. Uh, That's right. So if this is your first time listening to our, our midweek podcast, we like to bring in a special guest to talk to us about the Detroit Lions. Um, we're back after a couple weeks off. And this week we have a very special guest, as always. Um, Justin Rogers is with us from the Detroit News. Spent the fa- past five or I think you're almost at your five year anniversary there. That seems kind of crazy at this point. No, uh, you're tracking it better than I am. I, I have no <laughs> idea. They all blend together. Uh, but Justin Rogers, uh, you may remember him from his uh, bromance days over at MLive with Kyle Meinke. Now at the Detroit News covering the Lions, I think uh, I think about a decade over there. Uh, how you been doing, Justin? I am surviving. I, <laughs> I feel Ryan's pain that it's only Wednesday for me. It's it's only <laughs> February. Like it just it all seems to at least at least you have the benefit of knowing what a weekend is. Yeah, you know, it really reminds me of Billy Madison, you know, uh, that opening scene where it's like, what day is it? And it's like October. <laughs> yeah. Quarantine for you. Uh, we brought Justin on this week because uh, he put out a couple of uh, really interesting articles uh, and he usually does. Uh, let, let's be fair to him. Uh, but uh, this week he, he kind of tackled Jared Goff in, in a couple different ways. And so we're going to start off with that. And then later in the podcast, we'll get about his we'll get his thoughts about Dan Campbell and, and some of the rest of the guys new in the Lions organization. But let's start with Jared Goff. And I want to start off just kind of with your general thoughts of what you think the Lions have in Jared Goff, because there's been a lot of talk about whether he's a bridge quarterback, whether he's for real, whether this means the Lions are going to draft someone or not draft someone at seven. What's your kind of overall thought on on what the Lions are getting in Jared Goff or what they think they're getting in Jared Goff? Yeah, no, I, I think after watching the film, the the bridge quarterback is the the floor. I guess, um, mm-hmm. you know, you, you brought him in. So you have, um, you know, someone that's capable, someone that's talented, someone that's that's proven, but uh, isn't necessarily someone locked into the job. You know, it is a, a prove it type situation for him. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things I, I saw in the film that that I liked. Uh, there's there's some obvious uh, real concerns about his his game. And, um, you know, maybe you can see some of the, the, the frustrations that, that Sean McVay had with him and, and uh, led to this trade. But, um, you know, I feel intimately more knowledgeable about who he is and, and what his skill set is about after, you know, consuming those, those nine games. 
Yeah. And, you know, if uh, if you haven't gone and check it out, you should definitely go take a look at it. Um, that that in-depth look that you took at Jared Goff was over, a, you know, the past few seasons. And um, what's something, Justin, that you came away with after that deep dive that you weren't anticipating because of maybe just your cursory or your initial impressions of who Jared Goff was as kind of an outsider? Yeah, you know, I I thought of him, I think, as a as a pocket passer. Um, you know, a guy that that kind of stood in the pocket and and delivered with accuracy, and and that was true. Uh, what I didn't anticipate, and and something that really seems like it's developed in in that scheme over the last maybe year and a half, was how much they put him on the move. I mean, there were games where it felt like seventy percent of his his pass attempts were design rollouts, and um, you know, some of that I think might have been by design with with weaknesses with with pressure that I had noted, but, um, he throws really, really well on the move. Um, you know, it's weird. I, I had this like flashback to watching Mitch Chabrisky in college and, and thinking like that was one of his strengths was this guy that could roll out and throw on the move. And I thought was going to kind of be his, his defining skill set in the, the NFL, but, um, it, whether it's right, whether it's left, uh, <laughs> across his body, like, Goff has, you know, a, a good sense of of timing and accuracy, even when he is uh, moving. Particularly those those cross body throws, which you always think like like in soccer, like you don't put the ball back across the middle. It's like something we we've all heard, but he does it frequently, and he does it with a great deal of success. Kind of along the same lines, is, is there any misconceptions that you see out there from fans that that they think you think maybe they're they're getting wrong about Jared Goff? You know, probably the um, the the checkdown or the the short passing. I mean, we all saw the numbers. Like there was uh, a, a pretty big drop off in in how what is it, average air yards per attempt last season was way down toward the league bottom. And um, you know, it, my first reaction always is going to be like, what's going on with the quarterback mentally? Is he is he um, you know, af- afraid is he is he checking down constantly? And it it seemed like it was far more schematically driven. And again, that just might be uh, a statement about what McVeigh felt about Goff. But um, you know, he doesn't have a cannon. He doesn't have Matthew Stafford's arm. Nobody should pretend that he does. But he does have a, a really pretty deep ball um, in that thirty five yard max range of, of where he can drop it in the bucket. And then they ran so many corner routes and I, I think a corner routes is one of the more difficult yeah. uh, routes for a quarterback to, to throw because you're, you're usually fitting into a, a window that's not only defined by the defenders, but also the sideline. And um, I, I would go as far as to say it's his favorite route. Like he, he really utilizes it well, um, has a good sense of anticipation and, and accuracy with those routes. So I, I don't think of him as a check down quarterback other than, um, you know, maybe you're concerned and and hiding him and his deficiencies against pressure. And and I think what was what was good about your article, Justin, too, was that you you know you you spent the uh, you looked at the past few seasons that Jared Goff has played quarterback for the Rams, and I think that there's this idea that his success was so predicated on Todd Gurley and the run game. And I don't think that can be understated. I think that obviously has something to do with it. But do you think that Jared Goff? is going to be set up for success in Detroit with the run game as is in Detroit with Swift and, you know, maybe a little bit of carry on and, and whoever, maybe the Lions might, might bring into that backfield. Or do you think that, um, do you think that it's like so, so important that the Lions have a running game in order for golf to be successful? You know, it's, it's a good question. And and I look at um, first and foremost, just kind of the, the schematics of what the Rams do. 
they run so much play action. You know, I didn't look it up until after I was done and um, saw that he was top five in in percentage each of the last three years. And to be honest, like when I saw 34 percent, like it felt low. Like I would have guessed, I I would have safely guessed 50 just with how often they did it. And so, uh, you know, I don't know what Anthony Lynn's plans are if, if he's going to continue to, um, you know, be so play action heavy. I think we all know that, that Swift is a very talented and capable and exciting back. You know, I don't know how much, um, resources defenses are, are, contrib- are, are putting in the box to, to stop him right now. I guess you have to prove it over time and you have to have that complement that can also do that damage. I, you know, I always use the Saints as the uh, example with, with Swift because I think he's kind of a, a poor man's Kamara right now um, or, or that's where you, where you want him to be. So you need that that Mark Ingram or that Latavius Murray to, to, to offset. But, um, you know, I also wondered like with so much play action and, and play action under center too, Goff turned his back to the line of scrimmage a ton. You know, this isn't a, a, a inside handoff fake out of a, a shotgun where you can still keep your eyes on the the defense and, and see what's going on. So, you know, I, I'm a little skeptical of my own analysis of his of his ability under pressure because you're starting the clock at one second as opposed to zero seconds when you're turning your back to the the play like that so frequently, and the defense is is expecting it. That's a that's good analysis. Uh, let's let's just throw it out there. Um, what's a what's the likelihood that you think now that that golf is here that the lines go quarterback at number seven? I know, I know it, it's it's is it is it out of the question? Is it less likely now? What are your thoughts on that? You know, I a long time ago stopped speaking in, in black and white terms. And this it isn't true because it's a quick way of making yourself look stupid. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, there are times when even when I know something and I'm, I'm hearing it from within the organization and I, I still will couch it with the, the very, very likely. Um, but I, I look at this situation. I look at the assets they paid. I listen to the words that Dan Campbell told me about, how he wants to build a roster and um, you know, there didn't seem to be much ambiguity there in not wanting to force getting a quarterback. And mind you, this was the day or the, the morning of Matthew Stafford being traded. So, you know, uh, things might change, but I just, I don't see it at seven. I think it's a bad use of resources. I, I don't know why you would draft a guy that would potentially sit for a season and a half or, or two seasons, you know, a, uh, you're talking forty percent now of that that rookie contract win. Clearly, you look you look at the roster and it's it's far away. You know, it's it, maybe you can turn things around quickly and be competitive for a playoff spot in a year. But nobody's looking at this roster and saying they're they're a great offseason away from from being a legit Super Bowl contender. And I think that's to me the the bottom line in that discussion. Yeah, and I, I think what what also is important there too, Justin, you talk about bottom line, uh, talk about Jared Goff's contract and the possibility of a, of a restructure and, and what that could do to the Lions, both short-term and long-term. Do you think that it's something that the Lions should seriously consider? And do you think that they will? You know, I, I keep looking at the math of the situation. And so, um, right. you know, I don't, I don't have the table in front of me right now, but you know, let's, let's use a loose cap projection of $185 million, you know, and, and maybe it's plus or 5 million, but what we know right now with, with 
Goff coming in is lines are over the cap, you know, and that's before free agency. That's before you got to squeeze in a, a number seven overall draft pick. You got to factor in the whole idea eventually that you got to get a practice squad in there. Like they've got to trim some serious cap space and probably in the ballpark of 20 million, maybe more. I don't know. Um, you know, cause you, you do like to have that rainy day fun and maybe that's just eliminated in a, in a post pandemic dropped cap year that you, you just can't create that, that extra buffer space. But so you look at the options now of, of how do you create that space? And uh, obviously there's, there's several guys they could cut. They're going to need to to replace them, but you can nickel and dime it with, with Justin Coleman, our true font, our, our Nick Williams. And, you know, those three alone, you, you cut those three and suddenly you've got somewhere in the ballpark of, of 15 million you created right there. But the other option teams always have is, is the contract restructure, the simple restructure. And, you know, it's, it's very important that people understand this, this isn't a pay cut. This isn't golf coming in and saying, I'm going to take less money. You're just giving the money up front and finding a way to spread that cap hit over. It's a, it's a super beneficial move for a player because one, you get cash in hand Two, it, it kind of adds some, some long-term security to your situation wherever you are. So, you know, just, just a rough estimate. I mean, it, it looks like they could pretty easily create 15, 16 million by restructuring golf. And the only other real deal they can restructure and create not even that much space, but you know, in that ballpark is, is Trey flowers. And, um, you know, I, I think, I think golf is, is more likely it doesn't really change the outlook too much. You know, I think with, with the way his cap situation is set up, he's, he's clearly here for 2021. I mean, it's not even a discussion. I know some people have talked about flipping him right away with, after seeing what Carson Wentz brought, you know, it's just, that's just not the, the plan here. Um, what he would do is probably lock him in a little bit more guaranteed to a, a job in year two, you know, instead of having, uh, you know, 15 million guaranteed and 10 million dead money next year, it would, you know, the dead money would be, near or above what what his contract would be or his his cap hit would be next year so you, you're locking him in at 22 doesn't mean he's going to be the starter but i think you reassess that situation after the 21 2021 season you, you see what he produced on the field whether there's optimism of him being the franchise guy going forth or you go the 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 mahomes lamar jackson uh, jordan love route you draft the guy to to sit behind him for that 2022 season and and maybe you make the move mid-season maybe you make it in 2023 but you're only eating one year of a rookie contract then as you're you're getting that development yeah and and anthony lynn said specifically he'd like to see a rookie quarterback sit for a year so that timeline makes a lot of sense Uh, one thing before we head to our first break um you mentioned the, the team being up against the cap what does that mean for free agency? What what is a realistic goal for this team in free agency given that they're so tight against cap? Is it just like try uh, try to find a bunch of cheap one two year deals that can just fill spots or can they yeah. kind of reach out and get a, a playmaker or two? I know not many of us are going out to the store in the pandemic, but it's kind of like that DVD bargain bin at Walmart, right? Yeah. Where there's <laughs> 5 for 20 bucks and uh, listen, there's there's some gems in there, right? Like you might be able to pull out a copy of Tommy boy for four bucks. Like nobody's mad about getting a copy of Tommy boy. I don't know anybody that has physical media anymore, but you get the, you get the gist of what I'm saying. I, I yeah. don't see them swinging for the fences. You know, I, I, I've got a pre-written offensive preview right now on free agency. I'm, I've kind of just started looking at the defensive side and in, you know, I, I guess I could see them maybe taking like one, medium-sized swing for a culture guy like let's let's just pretend johnson john johnson gets mm-hmm. to free agency and they don't 
use the franchise tag. Like you're talking about a safety that's probably in that $10 million a year ballpark, but you could get a first year cap hit on a guy like that for three, 4 million, probably, you know, just the way you structure right. contracts in the NFL. Like that's the type of guy, like maybe I could see them taking like, a young guy that can be uh, a culture setter to uh, one of the units. But the, the more likely option is uh, a lot of bargains, a lot of, um, you know, low cost veterans that can, um, you know, get them through this, this 21 season without being, uh, you know, uh, an embarrassment on the field, but also, you know, kind of fitting that, that just that high effort, uh, gritty cultural mode that they're, they're trying to establish under Campbell. Uh, speaking of Campbell, we're going to talk to talk to Justin about him just when we come back from the break. Cause Justin has talked to him one-on-one. Uh, so stick around on first bite. We will be right back with Justin Rogers of the Detroit news. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we are back with First Bite. Here with Justin Rogers of the Detroit News talking about Jared Goff at the top. Uh, now we're going to get into Dan Campbell. Um, Justin, I just want to kind of ask you a very, very basic question since you've had a one-on-one conversation with him, albeit over the phone or Zoom or whatever it was. Um, what are what were your just kind of first impressions of the guy? I mean, we, we've been dealing with uh, Matt Patricia for, for three years, and Dan Campbell certainly seems very different in a lot of ways. So uh, what were your kind of first impressions just having that chat with him? Yeah. You know, Matt Patricia, the public facing Matt Patricia and the behind the scenes Matt Patricia were were two different guys. You know, um, Campbell is more consistent. Um, and and really, I mean, Patricia was pretty easygoing and interesting when the, the cameras weren't rolling. Um, but uh, I, I wish I could remember who it was at some point this offseason. They were talking about uh, learning players' superpowers, like in the scouting process, and I don't know if this was an on-the-record or off-the-record conversation, so it might be throwing out something that I'm not supposed to. But they, they were <laughs> talking about scouting players and and finding their superpower, right? And I and I watched Campbell, and clearly, like the guy's superpower is charisma and and conversation. Like he's the guy that you get sat next to on a plane going cross country, and you end up talking for 
four hours and it's, it's not annoying. It's genuine. It's, um, you know, his, his enthusiasm and passion shine through. And I, I, during that, that one-on-one conversation, you know, that's, that's when I learned he was doing some of the like calls, like one-on-one zoom calls with season ticket holders. And mm-hmm. like, that's to me, like, that's an awkward thing. Right. <laughs> and yet it, he's so perfect for it. He's so yeah. natural for dealing with, um, people and it's it's people of all walks of life i mean i really get the sense that that he is authentic and genuine and and just a good people person and um you know that that is to me his his superpower here uh is was there anything that you came across with your conversation him that that was maybe surprising to you or maybe would surprise lions fans given i mean the whole meathead thing going around was there anything that maybe was counter to to that you know, like the meathead thing is so silly. Like, it you can embrace it, but like he he also knows like it's not true. I think that's why he embraces it. Like, yeah, you can you can be a total meathead about football and still be smart and and charismatic, and um, you know, you can you can be all of those things. I, I think probably the thing that surprised me the most is as I'm kind of filtering through my list of questions and, and getting in as many as I possibly can in a half hour. Cause it's, it's never enough time. Right. There, yeah. Um, was, was sometimes how detailed he was on the record. And, and I think the one that really caught me off guard and was, was just so, uh, I, I guess helpful was when I asked about, you know, the defensive scheme and I, I really expected this, this nothing answer because, you know, he had said so often during his introductory press conference, like how, I guess, little he emphasized scheme, you know, and, and right. it was more about personnel. And so I thought I, I was expecting some kind of generic cliche answer and no, he goes in, he starts dropping split safety and Saint coverage concepts and uh, under three, four fronts. And I was like, what is, what is happening right now? Like it's, I'm, I'm trying to process it to ask follow-ups and it's just, it was like such a information bomb that I wasn't expecting that it, it caught me off guard, but it was, it was nice, you know, like it, it, it gave me hope for going forward. Cause at the end of the day, like when I ask a question, all I want is a good answer because I'm asking the question, not for me, but for the fans. Like that's, that's my job is to give fans good information to answer the questions they care about, you know, good or bad. And, um, you know, when you ask that question, cause so many people are asking, are they switching to the three, four or, or to the four, three, or keeping the three, four, like it's not the most pressing thing of the off season, but it was a question. A lot of people were asking, I asked it and got a very meaningful response to answer that question for fans. And I, that's, that's what I want to do in my job. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Justin, but it seems like Dan Campbell's the kind of guy that if, if he does have the time that he would get into like any follow up questions you might have about split safety, this, or, you know, nose tackle that, like, it seems like he's just a, like you said, a very genuine guy. So um, my, my follow up to that, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you, you know, touched on, you know, the defense. Uh, what about the relationship do you think is going to be so beneficial between him and Aaron Glenn? Like our, I mean, for me personally, I think the Aaron Glenn hire was something that really uh, captured my attention and really set off like, hey, you know what? I, I'm a lot more comfortable with this hire now of this guy with, you know, some head coaching experience, but that was kind of the the concern. What about the Aaron Glenn hire interest? Like what introduces that dynamic? Um, what, what intrigues you about that? 
Yeah, I I didn't know a whole lot about Aaron Glenn, the you know, beyond his his playing days, um, maybe before, you know, kind of researching potential coordinators the the days before that hire was made. Lost that article because Campbell got a <laughs> itchy trigger finger before I could publish it. But uh you know, I the 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 first thing that stands out to you is you look at the numbers of that Saints secondary and how quickly they improved. You know, I I remember there was a season where the Lions secondary was awful, like just awful in terms of like passer rating against. That's probably a lot of seasons. But yeah, I was going to say this season. <laughs> Somehow, like the Saints were below them, and I they might even been like the yeah. worst secondary in NFL history in terms of passer rating against at the time. Um, and whatever, that's the era, but still, like it stood out. And I I think that was the year before Glenn came in. And and they were, you know, a little shaky that first year. And then they just really took off. And yeah, they got some good pieces in there, but you can get good pieces and still not see success. And so um when we talked to him for the first time, I, I don't all the days blend together. It was last week, two weeks ago, I don't know. Um you could see why people peg him as a future head coach. Like just the the way he presents himself, the way he answers questions, the enthusiasm, the uh, clearly the the depth of knowledge. And, um, you know, I had asked Campbell just about all the former players he was adding to his staff because that was another question like a lot of us were. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't even deny like it wasn't a, a point of comedy at some point. Right. Like it was like <laughs> Patricia with the Syracuse guys. Right. <laughs> like it just got to be like so over the top. But, um, you know, he said these are guys that were super established in the league and none, none more than Glenn 15 years and all pro seasons and first round draft picks who willingly went back to the bottom of the ladder because they loved it. And he said, Aaron Glenn was the guy getting coffee and picking guys up from airports when he started it in new Orleans. And he, he worked his way up and you know, you have to believe that even if the lions defense has a, you know, a modicum of success, like a, a middle of the road unit in two years, like, this guy might get poached. Yeah, that's something we we talked about, and I think some Lions fans are already nervous about that sort of thing. But you know, if you yeah, like if, that third round yeah. draft pick, they come back with it now well, too. There, yeah, there's that, and like if uh, when's the last time the Lions have had that problem that their coaching staff is so good that it's getting poached? Like, yeah, like it, there was talk happen. of it after like 2015, 14. You know, Terrell Austin and uh, the early hype train with Jim Bob Cooter, right, which right derailed and went off a bridge at some point. <laughs> Still have that shirt. Um, really quickly, <laughs> want to go back to the defense because based on based on your conversation with him, it sounds like he wants a defensive front like the Rams and a backfield like the Saints, which, okay, sure, yeah, let's just have Aaron Donald and one of the best secondaries in the league. Um, yeah. is, is there more to it than that? Like, schematically, what does that actually look like? Because it sounds easy to say, yeah, let me just have one of the best defensive fronts one of the best secondaries. Yeah. I, I, I'm more interested in, in the secondary, you know, the lions ran a ton of, of cover three and cover one, a lot of man coverage. I, you know, it obviously became a, a talking point as people were frustrated and trying to figure out what, what could be done to, to fix that group. Uh, now you're going to be looking at more cover two and, and quarters and something I always go back to at the quarters defense, which, um, you know, has become increasingly popular in the, the, as the spread offensive concepts reach out. But I, every once in a while, like I'll, I'll ask a guy in like the locker room, like Mike Ford or um, Glover Quinn, like 
what's your favorite coverage? And most cornerbacks will tell you man coverage. Like they want to be in man all day long. And, and Glover, who's one of the guys that I respect the most out of anybody I've ever covered because of, of how thoughtful his answers were. And he seemed really taken aback by the, the coverage question. And he thought about it. And I don't even think he got back to me immediately. I think he came back to me like a week later and, and he said, you know, I, I really love quarters, you know and I'm thinking? Okay. If the, if one of the best free safeties, most instinctual safeties, the NFL likes quarters, there's gotta be a reason for it. And, and I like the way it, it, it protects the deep ball uh, it it doesn't put too much of a strain on on the outside corners. It gives uh, a nice bit of overlap and in, in coverage help. And yeah, you're going to need some better underneath defenders. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, you know, I I like the idea of of getting Tracy Walker back in a in a deep safety role. Now you're going to potentially have and likely have two on most plays. You know, arguably that's that's Will Harris's best role too. If if he ever puts it together, um, you know. Akuda, it's going to give him a little bit more or take a little bit off of his plate in terms of the the stress that uh, was put on him last season. So, um, you know, that's the, the part I'm interested in the most. You know, the defensive front, yeah, you, you don't have Aaron Donald. And, uh, I, <laughs> Thanks I for don't reminding think, us. Yeah, I don't, yeah. They, <laughs> oh, they had a chance at him. That's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, I, I mocked him. I mocked him to you guys, so <laughs> I, I take zero percent of the blame. Justin did uh, everything he could, man. <laughs> I I tried. Um, Martin just didn't ignore my text. Uh, like that that's a once in a generational player. So like you're not going to find that guy, but they have to find some kind of interior pass rush because it's not Nick Williams, it's not Danny Shelton, it's definitely not John Penasini. Like he's just, that's, that's not a guy that's, that's going to be uh, setting up shop in the backfield. It like maybe the only guy in the roster you could say kind of has a little bit of that skill set is, is Deshaun hand. And he's hurt. He's always hurt. You know, he's had major durability issues, no fault of his own, but that's, that's just the reality of it. So they've got to find that interior presence because, you know, yeah, they need some edge rushing help too, but Trey flowers. And if you can retain, Oquara, like that's a decent amount of pressure you're going to get off the edge. You need to round it out with interior pressure. That's going to increase the sacks on on the outside as well. Yeah, no, no amount of John Penasini penetration jokes will will make him a, a good threat. Totally checked it he, at the door. You walked around it. I had to take it, uh, Justin. We we took more of your time than than we allotted, so I appreciate you sticking around. Let me give you the floor uh, to to promote whatever you got. Maybe tease some things coming up at the Detroit News um, Twitter handle. All that fun stuff. Oh, I don't do any of that stuff. Um, <laughs> if you don't know where I'm on Twitter now, then I, I'm sorry. Like you probably shouldn't be on social media. Uh, yeah, and I still work for the Detroit News, so you could probably find them too with Google. Google everything. Google that'll, that'll work. Yeah. Justin, thanks again for joining us. I do appreciate you making some time out in uh, finally some, some breaking in, uh, uh, in work for, for you. And hopefully uh, you find some time to relax a little bit as we're all trying to do. And I appreciate you for listening, everybody. Thank you for, for sticking around. We'll have our main POD cast on Monday night live here on Twitch and YouTube. But until then, it's chaos. Be kind.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.